حضرت نمبر چودہ سالے کو چاہیے کہ وہ جماعت کے کمزوروں ضعیفوں معذوروں اور بوڑھوں کی خدمت کریں حضرت سید علی خواص رحمۃ اللہ فرماتے تھے کہ جو شخص اپنے اوپر رحمت کا نزول چاہے وہ کمزوروں کی مدد کرے اور سمجھے کہ حد شرفی کہ یہ میری عزت ہے حضرت نمبر فورٹین نمبر فتسن ٹریولر آن دس پیتھ آن دا سیکرم دا پلیجر that from their fellow seekers and brethren, from the group of their fellow seekers and brethren, they should particularly assist and help those who are weak or ill or facing any difficulty or handicap. Shaykh Sayyid al-Khawastra said that that person who wants Allah Ta'ala's mercy to descend upon him, he should especially help and assist those who are weak and he should view his helping them as his sharaf, as his izzat, as his honor, as his pride. Something that we've done earlier, uh, elderly, also help the elderly. This is a different type of khidmat. One is doing khidmat generally, let's say of serving the food or something like that. And this is assisting the elderly. This can mean, for example, if you're on Umrah together, so pushing the wheelchair of the elderly, or taking care of the elderly, or picking up the luggage of the elderly, or etc., similar things like that. Or children, to take care of the children, or to take care of the weak or the needy, or those who are in any type of physical ailment. reason this is mentioned here, that there should be a person sharf, is that normally... What a person wants is in an opportunity like that, when there's a jama'at, the person doesn't want to help others. The person wants themselves to sit in a good seat, to read their Qur'an all the way to Lusaka, that nobody should bother and disturb them, but in nazak mizaj hoteh, right? So, actually here, this adab is saying that no, sometimes you have to do things that you didn't originally want to do, that you hadn't planned on doing. They're not what you may view to be your ideal. And if you want Allah Ta'ala's mercy to come upon you, well, the way to do that is for that you to present yourself as a ma'zur in front of Allah Subhanahu as that you are al-abdul zayf, that you are weak in front of Allah Subhanahu And then if you want Allah Ta'ala's mercy to come on you because you feel you are too weak to control your nafs, you were zayf when it came to your nafs. You were madhur when it came to nafs in dunya. Then better that you go and help those people that are themselves madhur and zayf or who are old or who are handicapped or who are needy in any way that if you show mercy to them then you can be hopeful that Allah Ta'ala will send mercy to you. And this is similar to many hadith of Nabiya Karim Sallallahu The Prophet said that show rahim to one another if you want Allah Ta'ala to show rahim to you and we saw earlier also that fulfill the need and assist a fellow Muslim that Allah Ta'ala will assist your fellow need. So it means a large aspect of this is khidmat. So one must view it as one sharf and this is also what they say uh, Sayyid al-Qawm Khadimuha Khadimuhum That the leader of a community Is the one who is their Khadim Not outwardly he won't be the Sayyid 
but inside he's their Sayyid, right? So it means that the best and most noble position, the most honored position, the most musharraf position is to be the Khadim of the Qawm, is to be the servant of the community. Other number 15, Sayyid Ali Khawas Ramtai Firmatid Hai, اگر کوئی شخص تم پر ظلم کرے تو تم اسے معاف کرو یو مت کہو کہ شریعت نے مجھے ظلم کے برابر بدلہ لینے کی اجازت دی ہے بہت سی چیزیں شریعت میں جائز ہیں مگر ان کا ترک کرنا افضل ہوتا ہے ادب نمبر 15 شیخ سید نے خواست رحمتہ اللہ سید that if somebody does an injustice to you somebody wrongs you then you should forgive them. You shouldn't say or think that no, the Sharia has given me license to redress their injustice in a like and a similar manner. And then a more general statement, which is very important, that there are many things that are permissible in the Sharia. However, leaving that permissible, leaving that ruksa, leaving that license and permissibility is avdal, is better and more meritorious in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is wa'afina anil nas. Right? What the Biyakri said in Quran that the mu'mineen are forgiving of people. Then Wallahu Yhibal Musinin and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the people of Asan that not only do they they call them in they swallow the anger, they forgive people and then they even do good to them when they have been wrong. So you remember we explained this once to you before. Qadamin al-Ghayz means that why are they angry? Somebody must have done a zulm to them. That's why they get angry. So they're legitimately angry. They're permissibly angry. They're genuinely angry. But Qadamin, they swallow and suppress that anger. Number two, then they forgive that person. And number three, they do ahsan with that person. They actually do good to that person who did wrong to them. Because if you try to take the badla of every zulm that is done to you, first it's easier said than done to do it sava'an, to do it barabar. It's not so easy. You may end up doing more, right? Because, why? Because your taking the badla is very deliberate, thought out, methodical. And that person who did zulm on you, maybe it was half-hearted, maybe it was half-intended, half-not-intended, but when you do it, it will be wholly intended, this is not talking about zulm in the sense that somebody steals your car or comes in. It's not talking about, it's talking about in interpersonal relations. These adab are governing the realm of interpersonal relations. If in your interpersonal relationship somebody does something that, yes, the other adab of sharia and deen would say that this person wronged you. They shouldn't have spoken to you like that. They shouldn't have not shown up when they showed you they were going to show up. They shouldn't have been late when they were going to be late. They shouldn't have sent you an email a few hours later past the deadline you sent for them. Huh? So yes, technically they did something that was wrong. But for you to view that as a zulmun azim and that you're going to have to take them for task for it and you have to engage in retribution, then what will happen is that your character, because it's nature that salakin or works in progress, they're rough diamonds. Salakin are not polished diamonds. Salakin are anywhere from pieces of coal to rough diamonds. So they're works in process, so they're a bit abrasive. So when you put them in a bag with each other, the coals are going to rub off in one another, the abrasive and rough diamonds are going to scratch one another. And if you take that 
every time somebody does something that even technically you could say it is zolm, if you always seek retribution, then your nature will be retributive as opposed to merciful. Your nature will be vengeful as opposed to forgiving. And then you will become a person who is looking just at the slightest opportunity and if that person even was perfectly fine and was ba'adab with you for so long, the second they slip, that will be the second you catch them. And again, this is another character trait that happens unfortunately to some people who are put in a position because we are again living in the end of time and Zuli Zaman and Qurbi Qiyamah so because Khidmat of Deen is so necessary but sometimes people who are put in that position who are not qualified in their terms of their adab and their tarbiyah and their saluk they can end up losing these adab right and especially again a teacher also whether the teacher sheikh or mullim or mullima this is not his or her job that the second you slip to slam you the second you slip to bash you, right? No, actually people should be more forgiving, more overlooking, right? Sabku lekar chalnai. That's the way of our Sheikh. And sabku dantkar rulanai. That's the way of some other Sheikh, but <laughs> some other philosophy, right? And again, it amazes me that people who are murids of a Sheikh who sabku lekar chalnai, they themselves, they get a little bit, a small little class or a little madrasa to run and they cannot run it in that way. <laughs> so it means to be forgiving, overlooking, forgiving. And there is a barakah in that. Because yes, the Sharia has allowed you, fine, to engage in that retribution. But when you do that, you can also think about it rationally. That doesn't mend the feelings. Yes, you had the right to return that zalim. What will happen then? Now you have two zalim and two muslim. One was najaiz and one was jaiz, right? One was not allowed, the initial one. The one who did the retributive zalim, that was allowed, but it was still something they hurt the other person, even if it was allowed. So you have two people who are hurt, so that means the emotional bond between them is finished. Finished. Right? And that's not what Allah subhanahu ta'ala wants. Allah subhanahu ta'ala wants that the mu'mineen should be ikhwa, should be brethren to one another, salakeen should be close towards one another. So that will only happen through forgiving. Second thing is that there's some things in the Sharia that are jayas, leaving them as abzal. Why? They're jayas, but they don't have barakah in it. There are some things that are ahsan, awla, atka, azka, abzal, atar. That's one side, azima. And then there's another side that's just halal, jayas, ruksa. So sometimes, sometimes this has barak in it. When? If you adopt something halal as tarki haram, then it has barak in it. But if you adopt something halal as tarki awla, it doesn't have barak in it. So it depends from which direction are you coming at that halal. What was the choice in front of you? If the choice was between halal and haram and you picked the halal, it has barak in it. But if the choice was between halal and awla, halal and abdal, halal and asan, and you pick jaiz, mubah, and you left the asan, it's jaiz, but it won't have barakah in it. It won't bring you the qurb of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It won't bring you close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, this is what we say, there's something called khilafi awla. So sometimes, even a little bit in fiqh, but definitely in tasawwuf, 
right? Certain acts that are nafsan ja'iz, they're technically licit and permissible, but because there is such a clear-cut, better choice, there's a wadi afdal standing there, so when you choose the lower road, then your view is done khilaf awla that you did something that was against what was preferred. So what is it here? Then clearly what it means is that taking the retribution for that zulm is jayas, but it's khalaf awla because there's a clear cut awla or better or of the way, which is to forgive the other person. This is something... Uh, This is bringing taqwa and tarbiyah into sharia, right? So the fatwa or the legal ruling of something may be what is technically jayas. But taqwa means, or sometimes we call it ruqsa versus adhima, to do what is awla, what is better. This is something that the mufti can identify for you what is ruqsa and what is adhima. But only the shaykh can tell you that in which things you can take the ruqsa and in which things you can take the adhima. Because the shaykh knows that which ruqsas and ruqsas are harmful for you spiritually. And which ones are completely fine. As we've also explained to you, for example, if you're traveling, so when you're musafir, to eat food from the restaurant is jayz and it's a ruqsa. And if you do it, or sorry, generally speaking, to eat food from a restaurant is jayz and a ruqsa. So our mashaykh teaches that when you're musafir, you can avail yourself of that ruqsa without any spiritual detriment, right? So it shouldn't be, sometimes this happened to some of us and originally came to Pakistan, we were trying to be so hardcore, going all the way from Lahore, Samba to Jung, not eating anything from any place whatsoever, and then at any ijtama, not eating any food from anywhere, right? And then we were told that no, because we're Masafir, we can eat anything we want, right? But as far as Ruh goes, there will be no <laughs> next on to the roof. And then mashallah in the old uh, Ketia on the bazaar near Madni Masjid where the original Ishtama used to be. If you go down a little bit, there's some killer banana shake which one of the Uzbeki brothers, he got hooked on it and he used to have it every day. By the second, third day, he was out. His stomach was out. He was having daily banana milkshake. Then your Shaykh Hussain Abdul Sadar used to go for the banana milkshake, but he would take his Nestle bottle with him. He would make the guy wash, and he had this whole big stainless steel machine. He went and washed the whole machine with Nestle water. He would make him wash the steel glass with Nestle water, and then he would give him the milk pack, and then the, the only thing the guy had to put was the bananas and the sugar. Yes, when I flew in 1998, he told me to brush my teeth with Nestle water. And he made me rice, he cooked the chow in Nestle water. Yes? In fact, at that, in his house, it was, it was Eva, who swept a core company, which Eva ended, ended up leaving. But that was the pioneer before Nestle came, Eva Water. <laughs> right? So, to know which ruksa to do and which not to do. So that's something that takes place in Mushawara. But very simple, whenever the Ola is in reach, and the Ola is better for the system. Kuch abzal awla asan amale jo unke ijtimai fayda hota hai aur kuch hai jinke infradi fayda hota hai to jiske infradi fayda chhodna chalo magar jiske ijtimai fayda yani 
جماعت کو فائدہ ہے یا معاشرت کو فائدہ ہے یا امت کو فائدہ ہے کہ آپ جائز کے بغیر احسن افزو کرو تو اس وقت پھر جماعت کو مد نظر رکھے ہوئے آپ کو احسن افزو کرنا چاہیے اختیار کرنا چاہیے رائٹ حضب نمبر سولہ سید علی خواص رحمت اللہ فرماتے تھے کہ جب تیرا بھائی تجھے ملنے ملنے کے لیے آئے تو اسے کھڑا ہو کر نہایت اکرام سے ملا کر حضب نمبر سکسٹین سید علی خواص رحمت اللہ یوز ٹو اسٹیٹ دیٹ وین یور بردر اور سسٹر اینڈ مینس اسپیشلی ہیئر یور بردر اینڈ سسٹر آن دا پیتھ کمز ٹو میٹ یو کمز ٹو میٹ یو دین یو شوڈ اسٹینڈ اپ اینڈ Uh, greet them with the most respect and honor that you can have for them in your heart. So what does this mean? This is uh, that everyone has... One is Nura Nisbat. One is that everybody has a Nisbat, that they are your fellow seeker on the path. And if they've come to meet you, means specifically if they've come to meet you, So you're sitting at home or you're sitting somewhere and somebody came specifically to meet you. You shouldn't be so malang and so Sufi that you're uninterested and you're too busy in your own work or you're busy in your own zikr-iskar. You chit de ke janab ye mera mamulat ka wakt hai. Falaan wakt mein aajai. Right? Phir bai sahab ki bhi nazam ban gaya wakat ka. No, if somebody comes to meet you and greet you, you should stand up and go and receive them. And genuinely, in your heart, be happy that they have come to meet you, right? Again, this is partly for those Tabiyate who had very, used to have very fixed schedules. So in the Khanka, they wouldn't, they came and they didn't want anybody to disturb them. They didn't want anybody to talk to them. So they had their own idea, their own timetable, their own schedule. They didn't want anybody to talk to them, meet them. They just stayed away. They have their own nisbati fardiyat, they're a tanha pasand type look, right? So for here, this other is trying to break that. In the sense that, break it when it should be broken. Otherwise, there's value to that also. There's certain value to khalwa. But if somebody comes to meet you, then you should stand up and greet them with respect and honor because they came to meet you as what? Al-Mutahabuna Fillah, right? This is a category. Of Mu'mineen that Sayyidina Rasulullah He says I'm one of the seven types of people Who will be underneath the arsh Will get the shade of the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So mutahabuna So that means they have mutual love for one another So one of that aspect is then to display that love No onlooker would call this That somebody's come to meet someone He says haan, salam Nobody would call that mutahabun <laughs> that, Nobody would view that as mutahabun Right? So in order to enable and equip people to get that status, that they have such a deep love for one another. Right? And this is why Sayyidina Rasulullah said in a hadith that when two mu'mineen meet and say salam, the one who says assalamu alaikum first, he's more afzal. And second, that when they shake hands, their sins, their sins drop from them when they do musafa and say salam to one another. This is why, again, it's also important. And you will see in our own mashaykh, 
that when the Muridin come and greet them, they try to greet them warmly. So again, this should be the case of the Mu'allimat and the Mu'allim, that they should meet the students warmly. People shouldn't feel as if they're... Yes, sometimes people may feel there's genuine meeting, important discussion, and people can't be made to feel as if they're intruding or they're interrupting. But this should not be standard practice that a person is always made to feel unwelcome or always is scared or always made to feel like they're intruding. No, the person should have a welcoming, warm personality, right? For anyone and everyone who is meeting them in that nisbat that they are there, fellow murid, fellow murida, fellow seeker of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.